Let the Music Be Your Master. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Arnold. I'm Jordan Harmon. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Hey, <laughs> you bet. Jason Johnson. Happy to be here. Jason's very happy to be here. He's I'm ready this for hasn't fight. been difficult at all for him. It's it's tormented me. Uh, what was your experience doing this? Did you guys enjoy? So we're working on the seventies today. Mm-hmm. Did you, what was your experience putting your seventies list together? Brutal. Brutal. I mean, enjoyable. Enjoyable. Very, very so fun listening to all this stuff, but having to keep it to just ten. Here's here's a just a little glimpse of my list. There's so many good songs. Let's stay together by Al Green. Only got honorable mention. Uh, my me too. Yeah. And that, and that was brutal to me, that, like that having to move tough. that that's off. Tough. Yeah. I'm like, oh. The, the Reverend Al Green. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I know. That's hard. But, that's tough. But all these other songs are so great, too. So it is what In it fact, is. In fact, I'll show you here. Let me pull it up. I did this. Um, because it was so hard, I drew um, a, a headstone here. And Al Green, Al Green is on the oh, headstone. Yeah. Rest <laughs> yeah. in peace. Yeah, in memorium, Al okay. Green. I didn't see. I've got list. Al Green made my top ten. So, oh, I, you know, I, 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 I knew we could count on you. Yeah, I had, to, I had to keep Good. him. I'm on. glad he's there. I had to keep him on. Different song though, but I love that one. Yeah, it's there's. I mean, there's a few that are all time for me. But yeah, so uh, I'm I'm excited for this one. I'm excited too. I'm I'm worried. I I'm already anticipating being very angry with myself <laughs> and slightly disappointed in myself because I know it's already happened. I walked in this morning and Brandon was playing a song that wasn't on my list and I knew immediately that it should be on my list. And I'm still debating moving it to my list. I don't think I'm going to. That's a punk move and I don't think I'm going to do it, but um, my stomach's going to hurt. Mm. It already hurts. So let me ask you guys this. What's your overall big picture? What kinds of things are you thinking about with listening to all these great 70s songs in terms of themes and where we've come from, from 50s and 60s? I, and I'll share one from me is this this decade, especially more than the first two that we've done, feels like the decade of the album, where there were songs where it's like, okay, I've got to choose this song or this song. Wait, all I love so many songs from this album. How yeah. do you choose a song from the album? Because the album, whether it's Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, like the album itself is is the thing. Yeah. You know, the song, you know, kind of started with the Beatles doing that kind of stuff. And there was, you know, Pet Sounds and other albums in the 60s. But in the 70s, it seems like that really became the huge thing where it was yeah. all about the album more so. Yeah, than like I'm, I'm looking at my list... And probably five or six of these songs come from albums that yeah. are just dynamite albums. We might have to later do a best albums of the 70s. Yeah, episode. I think they will be digging into albums, um, I think, for sure, just in general, because there's a lot of albums. But this is for sure, I think, where album the album is an art form really starts to become more of a thing and I, th I think it certainly is building off of sergeant peppers and pet mm -hmm. sounds and some of those kind of previously great blonde on blonde whatever previously great albums but i think now it's you can see it's starting to be looked at as you you you're looking to create an album not just a song and then right. even the songs themselves they're getting bigger they're getting longer um the production is getting bigger we're seeing a much i think broader uh, space for different genres and then even space within the genres mm -hmm. uh, i was really surprised with some of the stuff that it turned out actually started in the late 70s that i thought was more 80s stuff 
I don't know. It was yeah. it was fun. Yeah. It was really fun to dig through it. There was some pleasant surprises, but it, th- this is also the decade where the, these hits. Th- so this was the tricky part I had. These are this is the decade where these hits have become so much part of the culture. Like I think all of us grew up in the same era where this was like classic rock that we were listening to. Mm-hmm. And some of these songs are really good songs, but I've heard them so many times. Mm-hmm. I think I've become a little bit numb to some of them. Right. And so I've had to really kind of pause and say, is this is this really objectively good? Um, or is it just sentimental because I liked classic rock during a certain era of my life and it's it's really just a mediocre song? Um, and it's hard to kind of pick through that sometimes on these because, like I said, the production gets so big on them um, right. and they've become so synonymous like in movies and, and TV and everything and and so it's a, I don't know it was, it was fun it was super fun right yeah well like you said there's I've there's a temptation to go for the the deeper cuts as opposed to the hits so so that I can impress you guys yeah, or yeah. <laughs> or our more uh, knowledgeable listeners but yeah some of some of those hits like if if the point of this is to introduce people that right don't know about this decade then there I think there's quite a few that you just have to know yeah he, and he was, he was just subtly chastising me without even seeing my well, list no. he knows it's no, like, I'm chast- he's like the father figure in the room that knows what i'm about to <laughs> see, do i thought he's i like, felt chastised he's like, i know what you're gonna do you'll just see so my, you know. you'll see my picks because <laughs> last there time, were others that i you know like you said with these albums such great albums or these artists that are monoliths and yeah you know i've I had to. Find that, you know, I reject well, your chastisement. I, I last time I did, I went obscure with some stuff. You know, some obscure John Coltrane and Stan Get. Like not the. And I felt afterwards like, man, I need to stick to what's the. You know, so this time I'm I'm, I'm still stuff I like, but I'm sticking more to. For me, I'm sticking more to like okay. But what, at the same time, I I'm, think is really, I'm glad you did that with John Coltrane. I yeah. would have never heard that song otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna next time I'm gonna go way deep. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I've got some deep stuff in here, but I'm, I'm most of that I'm leaving off of the top ten, most of it. But uh, I'll find a way to weave it in somehow. Yeah, maybe we'll make we maybe we'll make this a six hour podcast. Bring it on. Yeah, and and for our listeners that are feeling, uh, you know, that you want to hear more of the deep cuts, of course, in the with these really important bands we'll do an episode dedicated just to them or right. just to the the classic album well, and we should put up on the spotify maybe we can put some longer decade lists or some just deep cuts of the yeah. 60s deep cuts of the set you know obscure you know hits or not hits but obscure stuff from the 50s or 60s or 70s whatever all right should we go for it does anyone have Let's a 1970 i do we all do yeah we all do yeah okay you go first jason Oh, you want me to? Yeah, it's. Let's see. All right, I'm off. gonna go 1970. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. I mentioned. I think I alluded in one of our previous discussions to this kind of list that resides in my brain of songs that I I wish I would have written. This is one of those songs. It's just a classic, beautiful song. I'll get right to it. 1970, Van Morrison into the Mystic, off the Moon Dance album. Oh man, I see. I didn't even go van morrison and i love this no, song no. i love this song um, good choice get it queued up but it's uh it's it's kind of a ballad kind of a lullaby it's got very kind of distinct individual parts and it's just 
beautiful. It, it's a really timeless song. I was actually surprised it was 1970. I thought it was a little bit later than that. But it has this real timeless feel. It kind of takes you on a journey. It's really soothing. One of the weird... So I was doing some half-assed research on the, the songs as I go through. It turns out this song is one of the most requested songs by surgeons to play while they're performing surgery because it seems to have this soothing effect on you and wow and I, I agree i've never performed surgery but if i did i'd probably do it to into the mystic well and when you're uh in surgery you're you're taking your ketamine or whatever it is you're going into a kind of a <laughs> right you're going to that k-hole it's kind of mystical <laughs> the surgeon is you're going no, into- <laughs> the, the, the patient yeah. into the okay. mystic fired up okay Born before the wind Also younger than the sun Yeah, the Bonnie boat was one is the right choice for me. I got goosebumps right now listening to it. The bass line, so I play, play the bass. The I always hear bass lines first. And I love the bass line on this. Van Morrison's voice so good. This one's cool. I don't remember the exact point in the song, but about a little bit over halfway through, you have these these nice kind of brief horn moments that come in in the background that give context to it. It's just a beautiful song. Like, it's perfect. I would not change... I listen to music very critically, and a lot of times I'll listen to it and I'll go, ah, I might change that part, make it 30 seconds shorter or longer. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would change one single thing in this song. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. The perfect song. It feels it feels right. And the the album. I mean, yeah, we should so many talk other about, great songs we should on the talk album. About the you got album. Moondance. You got Caravan. <laughs> Have you heard the live version of Caravan? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. I haven't heard it. Kind of, kind of the uh, other end of the spe- spectrum from this song. It's, yeah, this so whole album is an all-timer. It's kind of what Jordan said earlier. Like, this is an album. Any, If you're a fan of music, you should own Moondance by Van Morrison. Or at least be familiar with it if you if you get your music streaming. Because it, start to finish, it's a solid art piece. Um, it, it just stands the test of time. And once you're familiar with Van Morrison, then you need to look up the Saturday Night Live skit of... Happy St. Patrick's Day from Van Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Jimmy Jimmy Fallon plays Van Morrison yeah. and he's yeah. Okay. I can't stand Jimmy Fallon, but it's a good it's a good what? bit. I don't like st- you I've already explained my irritation with effervescence. It should be no okay. surprise that Jimmy Fallon is not funny to me. <laughs> okay. More, yeah. Great mm. pick. What do you got, Jordan? Great pick. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna go with I actually, this is like, I don't know this band well. My brother listened to him a lot. But this song, I remember him showing me War Pigs by Black Sabbath when I was probably in 8th grade or ninth grade. And and then this last week with some of our current socio-political stuff in the last couple of weeks when people were talking about World War III and <laughs> I, put, I posted this on my Facebook. This is a protest song, but it's a metal protest song. And I love the slow build. Uh, so and then and then I love the drum fills when the drums actually do kick in. So let's go ahead. War Pigs, Black Sabbath, nineteen seventy. I love this song so much.
And so, if you bring it down for a second, and we got it, we got to listen to when it uh, cuts out, and then when it builds, and then you get the drums. Yeah. So when, when Ozzy's voice comes in, you mean? Yeah. And it and it, the drums stop, and then it's like, t -t -t -t, right? So I can't remember. It's it's like thirty seconds in or something. Yeah, That's it's right actually. Here. It's right here. Yeah. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Here comes the drum fill in a minute that's just death and hate super tasty <laughs> That's it, I love it This one of the things I love yeah. about this song, it's basically a gospel song. Yeah. It's like gospel yeah. song that's kind of disguised as a metal song. And, but it is, it's also this, it's very, it's not even um, covert. It's very no. overtly an, uh, an anti-war Very in song. your face. Yeah. But the metal, the thing I love about Sabbath, like I'm all Zeppelin. But Zeppelin existed kind of like in the fantastic realm, mm -hmm. in the fantasy realm. Um, like in the Tolkien realm and Sabbath, the Misty Sabbath did not exist in that Sabbath was like they wanted to channel like pure darkness pure mm -hmm. evil their whole persona their album covers but they channeled that into their sound right they would drop tune their guitars they had this this album's cover a little bit in the fantasy realm guy with the shield and the sword what's he's going a, on here he's a it, it, it's insanity it's representing yeah, yeah. the song the album's called paranoid so uh -huh. he's wearing yeah. a helmet and a fake shield like yeah. i used to think it was just i read about it i used to think it was just a crappy <laughs> attempt at a 70s album <laughs> cover yeah, yeah it's representing his insanity like, yeah all right well so he shielded himself, his, my, himself with a bike helmet <laughs> so my story in this song is is that so i remember my brother having black sabbath and i was like probably 12 or 13 and we're good church going mormons and and i remember thinking oh my brother He's a return missionary, but he listens to Black Sabbath, and just like the name was like, well, that's that must be evil. And then he showed me this song, and I was like, oh, this is like a righteous song. Like this is a song that's like on the right side of morality, you know? It like, like I think I was I was probably raised pretty pacifist. And then he played right? you Sweet Leaf. That's yeah. right. No, that's the kid. He, he didn't play. He didn't play me Black sweet, Sabbath, sweet Leaf. The right side of morality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's how they promoted. The, that's how. <laughs> that's how I promote them to my kids show. when I put it on for them at night. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, well, you'd have some good sweet dreams. <laughs> While you're no, but, but those those lyrics at the beginning, like generals gather, yeah. you know, like like witches with you know, In it's their like, masses, just like yeah. witches at black mass. Yeah. Um, the Faith No More did a super cool cover of yeah. this as well. It's a great, it's a great one. Love it. Protest song, 1970. Sounds. I mean, imagine where we came from in the 50s to this to to this kind of music it's it's amazing well even imagine yeah. like what existed like in 1960 let's say 68 so zeppelin mm -hmm. put out their first two albums in 69 yeah and you had hendrix kind of blowing people's minds but this was 1970 mm -hmm. so you're still only a couple years this away early from early metal dylan from folk music yeah. folk rock and this just 
Yeah. This is their second album, too. See, and this is one I had to put out because I don't listen to metal that much, you know, but this, so if there's a song that's like a metal song that's a hard song that grabs me, then then I'm putting it on and it's just, it's a great song. And this is a specific kind, this is doom metal and it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the best. <laughs> okay. Mine's a, <laughs> mine's a, on the other side from, from Black Sabbath. We're going with, with Cat Stevens from my 1970. Nice. This is an early one from him. From the album Mona Bone Jacone. Uh, what? I don't, I've never heard the album name, but I love Cat Stevens. It, it has, speaking of. <laughs> Definitely a lot of the stuff if I you, listen if to. If you think was, Black Sabbath yeah. Paranoid's album cover is silly, look up this one. <laughs> this, is, this might win the award for silliest album cover of all time, at least from a respected artist it's a it's a trash can a painting of a trash can that's like crying or something i don't know it's <laughs> i'm looking it up right now as we speak but i don't want that to set the stage for the song because i, I think it should set the stage for the song <laughs> uh wow so cat steven he was very young at the time i think he was 19 or so i think it is crying 19, you can get 20. it on a t-shirt if you want yeah i just ordered um <laughs> he'd had one or two albums. Yeah, this is his third album. Um, and this song, he... I forget what, what was wrong with him. He was in the hospital for a while. Tuberculosis, I think. He had, he had some disease. He was laid up in the hospital for months and wrote a bunch of songs while he was in there. Um, and this was one of them. It's called Trouble. Uh, I first heard it from the Harold and Maude soundtrack. Right. Which... Uh, but it... Uh, even without the movie, this is this song gets me every time. Trouble, trouble move away. I have seen your face, and it's too much for me today. Trouble, trouble, can't you see? You have made me a wreck. Now won't you leave me in my misery? And here where the piano comes in. I've seen your eyes, and I can see death's disguise hanging on me. Hanging on me. So, love it. Love it. Good, Good choice. Okay, is that it from 1970? No, I've got one from 1970. I'm having a hard time, though, now, because my list is 12 right now, and I've got to take two off, but I'm not going to take this one off. I was about to, but no, he's got to be on here. Stevie Wonder, he's he's got so many great songs from the 70s, so prolific, and from the 60s, and great songs from the 80s, but this is uh, definitely what I'm... I think this is my favorite album of his, is Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, Um, and I'm going to just go with the title track off the album Signed, Sealed, and Delivered by Stevie Wonder. So you can hear, you can hear some of the great kind of. You can hear that guitar in the back room, just doing the same thing, very like James Brownish. It's just such a great pop song. 
It definitely, you can place it, it's 1970, but it sounds like something that could be done in the 60s. I was going to say, that one, this it, one's the first, so far, kind of throwback. Yeah. It, this it's one's more reaching back yeah. rather than forward, but in yeah. a really cool way. I love Motown. Yeah. I'm a sucker for Motown. Right. And I want, I mean, I, I, I debated, like, do I go more Stevie Wonder reaching forward? But I think this song's just a classic, and I thought, if I'm going to choose a favorite one to put on there. Because the 70s does, does reach back and does go forward, right? And so... Oh, hard choice though, man. It's a great so hard song. Choice. It's a great mm-hmm. song. All right. So we're going to 71, which is mm-hmm. we're gonna spend a lot of time in 71. Yeah, we're 71, all talking about we, we have a ton of songs there. Uh, I've got four songs in 71. I have three. I've got four. Okay. This is the. I think 71 <laughs> is the greatest. Uh, like year in music. It's certainly From shaping my, up. So I have three that are all very different. Yeah. Um, stylistically. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who's starting? Okay, um, since I've got four of them, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I don't. I should do it in order of when they were released, but I don't know. I don't know what month they were released in. Um, so let's kick things off with Baba O'Reilly by The Who. Mm. Uh, this one, I know The Who were big in the 60s as well. Um, oh, dang it. It's too hard having to manage the... We need to get a producer in here yeah, to... Run the you're, you have to one of the recordings, yeah. And I have to, <coughs> but you're up for the challenge. Yeah, okay. I know you are. You can do it. All right, I'm in the zone again. Here we go. Um, yeah, they were big in the '60s, um, but I think this album, "Who's Next," uh, really set them apart. This is the one where they <coughs> they start experimenting with uh, electronic sounds too. I don't I don't know the specific instrument that they have. Whether it was a a moog or Moog, however you say that. I think it's a Moog. Moog. Um, whether it was one of those or some other... But they've got this this cool arpeggiator sound in this song, and I think that's what opens the opens the song. Uh, and then the, the piano comes in, and the guitars, and then finally the, the bass and the drums join in. Um, and then I love the ending of it. Well, we'll just, we'll just get to there. Here we go. Uh, the Who, Baba O'Reilly... Where do you guys put The Who? I have a weird relationship with The Who. I think, for me, and this is... They they might be my overrated of the decade. Of the 70s? Of the 70s, and part of that's because I've just never gotten into them, but Mm -hmm. they're so present in terms of people talking about them, and and so it's possibly I didn't give them enough time. But, like, I, I listen to this, and it's cool, but for... I think too, for some reason, both Roger Walters and Pete Townsend have annoyed me when I've seen them on things. Roger Daltrey. Yeah, Roger. Yeah, 
Did I say Roger Walton? What you said you combined Roger Waters with Roger Daltrey and yeah. created a, a, <laughs> Dalton, a, a super annoying guy yeah, named yeah, Roger yeah. Walters. <laughs> Roger Walters. Yeah, that's why. It's because I got his name wrong. I've been talking to the wrong guy. I met Roger Walters down at uh, on Center Street, and he's, he's really annoying. So, no. But but yeah, I think they're they're probably underrated by me, but I think of them as uh, overrated in terms of rock and roll. Yeah, I always felt, I, I know it's a false narrative, I always felt like I had to choose between The Who or Zeppelin. Like, I didn't feel like you could like both. And I was clearly all in on the Zeppelin camp. And so, like, I would intentionally not buy a Who CD, but I'd be like, I got the Zeppelin over here when you're done with, with your video game music. Right. And that's kind of how I viewed it. But when I go back, they've got some really, really, like, that's a great song. Um, yeah, what's this? Is that... Is that the one they play? No, never mind. It's a different one. They no, they play one like as part of CSI. Yeah, that's this. Is it this yeah. one? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Like, I don't know. And I think it's on like the trailer. And that kind of makes you laugh. There's something I about think it. it is. Yeah. Like I Zeppelin don't... would never sell out. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it's a good choice. Like they have uh, Keith Moon and what's his name, John Ein Weissel. Is that and Whistle? Uh, and Whistle have they? They were. Like giants, I was never a huge Pete Townsend fan. Um, like I don't care how hard wasn't he kind of the driving force? He was kind of the driving power chords, but yeah, like I don't know. He's it's it's good. I need to like him better. Sell me on it, Brandon. I really want to like this. I want to like it more. Uh, I this is the only album that I'm really familiar with. Um, Which album is it? Who's next? Okay. Got the the concrete pillar that they've just that they've finished all, peeing on. They've all urinated on. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, this should sell you on it. This part right here. Check this out. No, this has the exact opposite of it. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> and Jason's face, he's like cringing over there. He's cringing, and it's the, it's the Brandon's ginger got beer. ecstasy it's the, face. It's the ginger beer. <laughs> Brandon's in ecstasy. Jason is cringing, and I got to side with Jason on this. And they, one. they start with they start the album with this one, and they finish it with "Won't Get Fooled Again." I'm so I, I'm songs. trying to be nice, but I'm like then I'm looking at my list of the stuff I'm leaving off, and I'm like Brandon. You can't put this above all these other here's things. My, here's the compliment. Here's the one compliment I'll pay to it. The album cover of the album it's on is maybe like a top 10, top 20 album covers. The album cover is freaking awesome. I love it. Well, Where's the Cat Stevens album every, cover? Everyone's <laughs> shaking their heads at you guys, not me. <laughs> they probably are. They probably are. They're probably like watching Tommy the Pinball Wizard right now and shaking their heads. saying like... Jordan and Jason don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're playing pinball in their basement. All right, next. All right, I'll go because I've got four as well. I'm going to go... Um, ooh, let's, we'll go with the Al Green since we already talked about him. The, the song I'm choosing is 1971's song, Tired of Being Alone by Al Green. Uh, I love the sound of every instrument. The the way the snare is, the the... And the sound of his voice, he uses it not just to sing, but he's got those kind of little moans and kind of like the James Brown stuff, but less funk, more mellow, more soulful. Uh, but Al Green, he's one of my all-time favorites in soul and R&B. And um, yeah, Let's Stay Together is it great, but this song, Tired of Being Alone, is the one I want going on the record to space. Mm-hmm. 
so good. I love that you picked this. I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so tired of all alone. Won't you help me, girl, just as soon as you can? This is a this is a goosebump one for me. It is. Listen to the snare hits. You can hear Questlove from Voodoo, from D'Angelo's Voodoo. Yeah. You can hear it in the in the same snare fill. So Green's voice is perfect. It's flawless. And then he had this run of albums in the 70s where he recorded with this this backing group called the Memphis Sound. And the Memphis Sound was so tight. They're they're like perfect rhythm. Every, and the sound of every instrument, like you said, the, just the snare alone mm-hmm. is so good. Love it. I'm like I'm pissed because Al Green's not in my top ten. I didn't well, I, include him. I, I where friggin- you failed, I'm, <laughs> I reach oh down and lift you up, Jason. <laughs> I bring you along, and I, uh, I got your back, man. <laughs> I appreciate no, it. I'm doing Somebody the same thing. To. I'm leaving some people off that I'm. I'm like, okay, Jason's or Brandon's. Like I still it. listen to Al Green. Al Green's part of my no. regular oh, yeah, rotation yeah, for sure. And I for sure. I left the guy off my list. He's, he's, he's always been there for me, and now I'm not. I'm not there for him. Hmm. I hope I, if he, uh, Mr. Well, Green, if and when you listen to this, <laughs> Reverend Green, <laughs> please accept. Please accept my formal yeah. apology. Yeah. And, and on that note, who did you put on instead of Al Green? <laughs> Um, have you guys heard of Glenn Campbell? <laughs> it's, not, it's not him. Uh, let's go with the one Wichita we... Lineman. I'm guessing at least one of you will have this. Maybe not. I'm sure it's on at least both your um, honorable mention. Let's go. Let's get right to it. Really important album. Really important um, performer. Really important song. Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? Yes. Is this he's, on yours? He's one of my four for yep. sure. I yeah. I was I was gonna have mercy, mercy me, but then I switched it. This song was just such a like a cultural monolith. I think it's number four on Rolling Stone's list yeah. of five hundred greatest song rock songs yeah. of all time, and it's um, it's really good. So it's kind of protest music. It's him at a critical time. He's his marriage is ending. His brother had gotten back from the Vietnam War and wasn't adjusting to life well. And America at this time was was a little bit of a mess, similar thematically, I think, to how people feel right now, um, as far as seeing kind of global chaos combined with local chaos. And this was him looking at it, looking at things, just going, "What's going on?" And so he lists off, you know, everything from racial inequality, police brutality, um, participation in world conflicts, and, and it's kind of him looking at it, trying to bring some, some level of, of peace, and I think common sense to the conversation, and it's this really, really heartfelt song. It's just a beautiful song. Beautiful song, beautiful album. Detroit Lions football players, I believe, right here. Is it? Yeah. And soprano sax has never sound cooler than that, right no. there. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you die. You know we've got to find a way to bring some. Father, we don't need to ask 
That's such a sad, ironic line there. You know how he died, right? His do- his father killed him. Yeah. And that line, father, father, we don't need to escalate. I mean, it's just... And I think that's part of why it's so heartfelt, because he was very used to a life of chaos and violence. Um, it, it surrounded him, I think, in every in every aspect of the, of the work. And so it really is this heartfelt kind of combination, state of the union, combined with this really heartfelt plea, can we, can yeah. we end this? This song is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier with the the, the albums becoming bigger than the, the songs are more important yeah. than an individual song. I, I have a hard time separating this from the album. You yeah. Don't just, if you're going to listen to this, if you're only moderately familiar with it, familiarize yourself with the whole album like don't just stop with well, the this. songs it's not even really made as a song because the songs Correct. weave in and out yeah and so the songs bleed into each other and a lot of them have a similar kind of backing kind of ambient like the congas yeah, it's and kind the of this percussion it's, but it's kind of this hazy this hazy motown yeah. view where it's not that real sharp doo-wop or right. anything like that it's 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 a cool it's a it's really smooth. really cool album there's a song on here uh, on this album called god is love that's one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. You, are you more familiar obscure. with the album, Brandon? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah. This this song was also on my uh, on my top ten. So glad you shared it. I've been listening to this album quite a bit the last <coughs> last couple of years, and it's it's been uh, been good for me. Yeah, it's a great one. Another good tagline, Marvin Gaye. It's good for you. It's ya. good for you. <laughs> if you're if you're doubt, I was thinking if you're doubting, if you're like probably a lot of people in the world where you want. You want to believe that love is stronger than hate or fear, all that kind of stuff, but then there's times where you doubt it. You listen to this album, and it's a, it's, it'll build your faith. Yeah, I, I love I love these kinds of, of songs that can be a, a protest song and also optimistic and also yeah. full, full of charity. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just so graceful in that way. It's an all-time album for me and all-time song. Great choice, Jason. And we all we all had it. So, but we're knocking it out of the park. It's awesome. Okay, I'm sus- I'm suspecting that might be the. Well, there may be one other. I'll be curious if there's any other song that all three of us share. Let's hear your next 1971, Brandon. Okay. Uh, let me find it here. All right. Uh, this one, another uh, important artist. My favorite album by her. This is Joni Mitchell from the album Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, every song on here is is fantastic, uh, but this this is, if I had to choose one Joni Mitchell song, this is which one is it? Probably the one All I Want. It's on mine too. It's not on mine, but it's the the whole album is on my honorable mention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, I like I like some of her earlier and later songs as well. Like a couple albums after this, she get, gets into the more I wouldn't call it disco. What a, what? I don't. Know, it's a. It's she. She gets like a full band, and it's got yeah. you know the bass and the drums and everything. This this album is seventies pop. Is what seventies pop? Yeah, like help me. I'm thinking that another great song. Um, but this one, there's just something special about. I love the. Uh, it's not even a guitar she's playing. It's the Appalachian dulcimer. Is that what it's called? It's some like you lay it horizontally on your lap mm-hmm. and you play it like that. Um, it's got strings that you play. It's got strings, yeah. So unique in her like lyrical and she, style. And she has all these weird tunings that she uses. and Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All I Want by Joni Mitchell.
That's really good. I am on a lonely road and I am traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? Oh, I hate you some. I hate you some. I love you some. Oh, I love you when I forget about me. I want to be strong. I want to You know, one thing I'm thinking as I listen to her, I'm thinking she's a vocal as a vocalist. <laughs> she's uniquely like some others, like Sam Cooke, like um, able to put so much emotion and passion in the in her phrasing, in the mm-hmm. way she sings. You're just like you listen, and you're like you're compelled. Weirdly, she should be a, probably a candidate for underrated in the '70s too. Mm-hmm. I, I think in part it's kind of how. It, women were viewed within entertainment then like they weren't supposed to be singer songwriters they were supposed to be performers or background singers and she really stood up to that and i think she's very much a musician's musician like i think anybody that's a real music head that really Mm -hmm. admires singer songwriters knows who she is i don't know that like a lot of casual listeners are listening to Joni mitchell blue and it's an all time, all time, really, really album. important album. They, somebody asked uh, Bob Dylan at one point what inspired him to make his kind of return to form album, Tangled Up in Blue, which came out later than this in the mm-hmm. '70s. And he said he had been spending a, to- a lot of time listening to Joni Mitchell um, Blue. Wow. Bob Dylan could have been saying that tongue in cheek because it's a clever play on the words, but I, I really believe he was listening to it. Like this probably inspired. This album probably inspired Tangled Up in Blue, which is one of the most important albums of the decade as well. I think her her bigger radio hits were either earlier or right after this with um, oh well Big Yellow Taxi and I forget the the one that's off of the, the Clouds album. Um, oh, I, no I see uh, both both, both sides, sides now. now. Both yeah. sides now yeah. is excellent. It's so um, good. Yeah, yeah. The, also great songs um but i i know the story behind this album she went into the studio i think this is her fourth album so she was you know established at this point uh it's after woodstock and all that stuff um so she had some clout and so she goes into the studio to record this album kicks out all the producers engineers all that stuff she's like I'm. I don't want a producer telling me, talking down to me, telling me how this album's got to be. So, she produces it herself and wow. is able to get wow. that that sound that she wants. Yeah, she's a genius. Like if she existed in in 2020, I'd be curious, um, yeah. like what she would have been allowed to do because she definitely existed in a in a world of a lot more limitations right. for her than I think. And I think she would have yeah. had. And she's a, she's a ge- absolute like lyrical genius, musical genius. She's done some really cool stuff, you know, in the '90s and in the last 20 years, jazz stuff with yeah. Brian Blade and some other really top <clears throat> jazz musicians. Where they're kind of, it's kind of hybrid genre jazz. I guess she does folk exist stuff. In... She exists, but no, I went, but if you, like she at, was coming up. Yes, she was com- coming, coming up. up at the peak of her powers. Yeah, uh, with youth on her side, youthful energy on her side, youthful energy, but. She would have been corrupted by all the crappy music she was <laughs> listening to, all the bad. Maybe, the or she music. would have self-produced a bunch of really good stuff because she could uh, put it out I there and wouldn't so. have to rely on. I hope studios. she wasn't, she wasn't corrupted like, by the bad music of the 
her own time. No, but I'm just Amen. I'm biased because the pop music. I'm saying the pop music back then was better than the pop music now. <laughs> but no, I I, 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 I love the the detours really that she takes in her career yes. too. Like kind of similar to to Neil Young, where like Neil can dabble in so many genres and he's willing to take risks with stuff yeah. that's not commercially successful I at all. I see them very paired, like Neil yeah. Young like and she, Joni Mitchell. She has this like huge hit with. Did they ever? They did they ever collaborate? Uh, I think the world would have ended in that. Uh, what's that concert film <laughs> about the band? Last oh, Waltz. The Last Waltz. That's I right. think they sing. I think they sing "Helpless" together. Okay. I know they're both in it. I'm. I'm not positive if they yeah, sing together. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, she's got. So "Blue" comes out '71. Uh, "For the Roses" '72. "Court and Spark" '74. All those are great albums, really well received. And then she starts getting really weird more jazz kind of stuff hissing mm-hmm. of summer lawns hajira don juan's reckless daughter so yeah they're all, they're all worth checking out yep great pick great really pick. good pick so you guys so i had four 1971s as well i've got three and two of them you guys have just picked so you, all i want was on mine what's going on was on mine so i have one more how many more do you have uh i've got two more let's go with your next one yeah it might be one of mine okay this one was a tough one my one of my favorite bands of all time and i went back and forth as to which song would i would pick for them so it's uh it's led zeppelin i know where this is going any well let's hear then Get, take your guess what what I, song i don't did know I pick? which song i don't know which song <laughs> if it's 71 there's only one album choice yeah it's off led zeppelin 4, four which is yeah. their biggest their biggest album that's the one stairway to heaven is on which is my least favorite song on that mm-hmm. album um i went with when the levee breaks mm mm-hmm. mhm it's i contemplated picking over the hills and far away for zeppelin and i went with when the levee breaks it's actually a cover it's a blues cover originally recorded by kansas joe mccoy and memphis mini um <laughs> and zeppelin took it this is like the perfect formula for a rock song the drums from the very opening beat of the opening drum i think Bonham is hitting his drums as hard as he possibly can. And, you know, when you mentioned how the production on the drums of of War Pigs was, was kind of underwhelming, mm-hmm. the drums on this are so, so perfect, and they're given all the attention coming into it. They slow down some of the harmonica track that's on it. It's a blues song that just punches you in the stomach. And it's it, what it did is they would get a little bit, a little bit cute sometimes or a little bit too fancy sometimes and this is I, like the most trimmed down version of them this is them saying we're going to make a blues song we're going to come in and punch you in the mouth there's no obnoxious guitar solo in it there's some great like slowed down overdubbed harmonica and every piece just works together it's like the perfect rock song let's hear it i hear beastie boys too Monica is so ripping. It's so good. 
I heard that the drums, to record the drums, they had Bonham go down in the basement of whatever house they were recording in and had the microphones up at the top. So just get that, at uh, the top of the stairs. To get that big booming effect, yeah. yeah. So much longer introductions to songs in the 70s. Yeah. They're really going to build you up. Mm-hmm. Then the instruments all cut out, right? And then Robert yep. Plant comes in. But even then, where the drums come in with them, there's no messing around by Bonham. It's, I'm going to hit it right on the beat as hard as I can every time. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is one of my all-time favorite Zeppelin songs. And so many great songs on this album. And you've got Black Dog, mm-hmm. classic riff. That, that might be the I love first. I song. Yeah. I think that's the first Led Zeppelin song I ever heard. It was, mm-hmm. it was the first one I heard. I heard it on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Dennis Miller, they'd always have some song playing while the Statue of Liberty was dancing. <laughs> and it, it was this one. I'm like, what is that? That's a cool song. And then yeah. asked, That was the song that drew me in first was Black Dog. Yeah. 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 Um, and then you got Rock and Roll. Another great song. Um, and then you got uh, Battle of Evermore. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's cool. a it's, it's a cool. good song. It's a weird song. It's a good song. Pull if you want. Pull up Memphis Mini. Um, when the levee breaks, kind of an interesting side by side to listen to to kind of see what Zeppelin did with it. Um, while you're pulling that up, so one of the things, one of the d- debates that will be fun to have. Um, yeah, here you go. This is from the album Roots of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Compilation album. Mm. If it keeps on raining, leather's going to break. If it keeps on raining, Going cool, huh? wow. yeah, very nice. <laughs> they took that and turned it into uh-huh. <laughs> when the levee breaks. That's way cool. Um, super cool. I think that's my only cover. So one interest, one kind of fun thing, and we can debate this for for probably a long time going forward. Um, I want to figure out to help determine in my mind this. There's still this battle that rages on the Beatles versus Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out which band inspired the most crappy bands so like you probably can connect like oasis and matchbox 20 to the beatles but i think you also i think you i love who you picked for that i think you also have to connect like creed and nickelback to led zeppelin yeah and so i right. i want to find Except out you can connect all of them to nirvana <laughs> oh. yeah <laughs> So I want to find out, like, I want to figure out, I want to quantify which, which monolith um, cre- inspired <laughs> Who, the most crappiest? The crappiest? Yeah. What about, do you think the person, the, the band that created the most, or the, the created the most crappy following bands also created the best? Or? Well, that, that would be interesting. We'd have to take that into yeah. account. But, it, so, like, I want, that, that would be the best argument for somebody that wants to fight me on this, is, <laughs> can Zeppelin be that great if they inspired Creed and Nickelback? Um. I, I think, I think Zeppelin's, not ancestry, 
Progeny? Is progeny, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Zeppelin's progeny is easier to pinpoint because they right. have a more unique sound, right. and so you can hear something. The Beatles were more diverse. Yeah. They went you can't, you can't tell if someone was inspired by the Beatles because everybody was. You can tell. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell if someone's totally, totally trying to copy them, but I agree. I think everyone was inspired by them because they went all over the place. They, they did so much different stuff. Anyway, all, as all I it do, takes I, is I, to have yeah. great songwriting, I, and then you're inspired by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, or, or if you're really good at writing about cartoon raccoons. <laughs> um, hey, I've diver- don't as diss I do, Roscoe or <laughs> Rocky Ra- Raccoon. Ra- Roscoe, it's Roger Walters the raccoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, don't I, diss on Roger. As Walters I do, I've diverted us. You guys have anything you want to add to when the levee breaks? I thought it was not, a great pick. Not to that song, but oh. I, I picked your least favorite Led Zeppelin song. Oh, no. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I'm, hit, I'm sitting over here sweating bullets because I'm like, I'm, I'm making adjustments on the fly, and I'm like, shoot, I don't want to take this person up. I just want 12, I just want 12 songs you on here. You cut no, Led Zeppelin. I'm, I'm, no. No, I, I've got Led Zeppelin songs. on here. I know I don't. I know I don't. I'm, but I'm, Do I'm, you got Stairway, too? No, I don't. I don't. I have a 75 Zeppelin. Make your case but, for Stairway. Okay. I'll make it. Um... You like slow dancing with the girl and then being awkward and then like when having it picks to get up being like, wait, what do I do here? What, what do I do? What do we do now? I've I've never heard this played at a dance. We just slow oh, dance faster. It's always it was always get it sticks. always sticks. It was always the last song. And stairway. Then the, then the fast when were you going to dances? Provo Hype dances. I'm, I remember Stairway to Heaven there. Somebody all the time. Depeche Mode. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they weren't playing Stairway at our dances. I remember. Brandon always left early. He was smart. <laughs> it was always the last song and then the fast part comes on and you dance and then you don't know what to do do we just mm. slow dance faster i don't know i was always impressed there was always a few couples that did know what to do and they were like doing their fast dance and i was like oh they're so confident but all right yeah. so stairway is not the song that i listen to the most anymore from led zeppelin but this one's more for the teenager in me that was obsessed with this song i think a lot of teenagers are mm-hmm. i think there's a reason that that joke in Wayne's World is so funny. No stairway. Yeah. yeah. He goes to play the guitar at the guitar shop and he starts playing Plays stairway. Like one note, two notes. And then <laughs> there's a sign that says no no stairway to heaven. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's something about that song that drives people to want to learn how to play it. And so I think a lot of kids they, they hear that and they're like, I wanna play that on the guitar and so they start taking guitar lessons or nowadays they'd start looking up the tabs or something. I had to actually sign up for guitar lessons because I didn't there wasn't a way to just do it on your own back then. And that was the first thing. I'm like, teach me how to play Stairway to Heaven. Um, and I think it's it's something to do with those arpeggiated chords, but in a unique way where it's, even though it's one note at a time, you can hear the, the song coming out of it. It's not just a chord. It's got a melody to it. And you hear it and you think, I could, I could learn how to play that. Not the, it, not it the solo at the end. That takes something special. Yeah, but. It is a great song. And in fairness... If this was only the third time in my life that I was hearing Stairway to Heaven, I would probably be pumped and be like, this is the right one. It's, yeah. it's absolutely guilty of the, the law of diminishing returns. You hear it so much and you just can't can't stomach it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have heard it a lot, though. Well, let's or, or maybe be old and jaded. Let's see if Jason throws up while you... <laughs> I think I'm guilty of all three. <laughs> Uh, and this is kind of my represent your your pick is representative of their their blues roots. Mm-hmm. This one is the them going in the the prog direction, yeah, which I think is another big uh, genre in the seventies. I didn't 
didn't have room to include Rush or Yes in this list. By the way, we, I, do we do we shout out Neil Peart? Let's shout out Neil Peart. Right now, rest, rest in peace, Rush's rest drummer. Peace. Yeah. The first song I ever played with my friend Mike was uh, was Rush's In the Mood off their self-titled album. And we would jam on Rush songs all the time. That's how we started. So they've got a, a warm place in my heart. They're mm-hmm. super weird. They're, they, I, I understand why they're so easy to make fun of, um, but they're really important to me. I don't have any Rush on my list, but, but Neil Peart, their drummer, who was a genius... Mm-hmm. Le- legitimate musical genius passed away what last week and uh so yeah shout out neil pert and all the rush fans yep okay here's the opening to stairway to heaven and then i'm gonna cut to the the middle i can just see brandon crying in his room like a tear a single teardrop when he was 14. Yeah. <laughs> like a tear of joy. Melancholy. Those like I like I like the sound of it. I like the uh, it's awesome. It's got that mix of simplicity yeah. but complexity. They're not it's really just beautiful. repeating the yeah. same thing over and over. I'm glad you put flute on this table because it's in one of my upcoming songs. The flute? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I'm going to skip forward. The the song does, it's it's a long song. Famously never released as a single despite being one of the most requested songs. Zeppelin didn't do a lot of in general anyway. They didn't exist off singles. They existed off of touring, filling up stadiums. So this is one that they got a lot of pressure to record release it as single because it was so popular but they refused to and so people had to buy the whole album which good for them uh so let's move from go to where it switches to part two of the song one more verse you want to hear if there's a bustle in your head show don't be alarmed now Mm -hmm. it's really good though Did you ever see the song remains the same? The version of this in this, he goes, "Does anyone remember laughter?" It kills me. It's so corny. It's so cheesy. I think that might be what kind of yeah. finally made me just go, <laughs> "Okay, I, I'm I thought they were cooler than this." <laughs> well, it's like you, you can't leave Led Zeppelin behind, so you just had to leave this song behind. Uh, it's a, it, it is a really good song, though. It, it, it is really good. When when Bonham comes in there, it still gets me. It's good. Still gets me. Mm-hmm. It's really really good. They they always have such a great sound to the drums and his playing and his fills. Yeah. So he John Bonham would play the drums so hard, and then he would he would do like this double bass, double pedal bass drum, and the band members would get pissed because it would overpower their instruments when they would play live. <laughs> so they would hide his double bass pedal. Like they had this ongoing gag where they would hide his ongoing. Or they would hide his double bass pedal because they wanted to just use one because it, awesome. it was so overpowering because he was so strong. Right. He would just beat He'd the drum so it. loud. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The, you want to get to the fast part? 
You want a Jimmy Page solo? As part let's, of this? let's do it. That's important too. I think it's, I think it's worth hearing where it speeds up. This is an epic. See, this is the part where you don't know how to dance, slow dance yeah. anymore. You're like, it was working at first. To do. <laughs> and now you're like... The DJ should know better. It's their bad. Or it's the part where you just hold each other close and bury your heads <laughs> yeah. into each other's necks. Fight out the storm. Because it really is just a spring clean for the May Queen. Yeah. This might be my favorite Jimmy Page solo, though, because this is this is him, like, not trying to do too much. Yeah. This is just a, a, a really solid, it's a solid, solid solo. solo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, just so it made me wonder, when you mentioned, you casually mentioned they were pressured to release this as a single mm -hmm. uh, for young people that may not understand what that means because that was a different world if you are listening to this and you don't care jump forward 30 seconds you want to give a 30 second overview of what that even meant i think the i think we're going back to it well that's all we have now so you yeah. as a, a, an artist would record an album and the yeah. whole album would exist and then if they really wanted play radio play because there was no internet the way you would get radio play is you would have to release a, one song a side b side as a single and then on you a small a right, teeny tiny baby record you would distribute it to the record uh to the radio stations and get them to play it but if you didn't have a single that you released as part of your album then there was no way to get it on the radio and so people wouldn't hear you so zeppelin who was one of the biggest bands of the decade kind of famously wasn't giving singles out to the radio stations so eventually people would start requesting zeppelin and they would get played that way but mm. they weren't doing like the marketing campaign of play my single play my single play that's my a big single. deal back then because back then everything yeah. was about singles like do you have which one's gonna be the single that was how do you, you had a single that was how yeah. you get popular so they were ballsy enough can i say ballsy on this <laughs> <laughs> they're ballsy enough <laughs> confident enough in themselves to just go out there and like we're not gonna do that if you're not gonna play that game and we're still gonna be popular the scene, then you you do know that uh that uh robert plant is is quite ballsy he's a ballsy guy <laughs> i'm gonna have to watch it i haven't seen it Okay, here's something I thought. Because this, how the part long? Where he goes through the uh, the airport scanner. Yeah. Oh, the whole thing is, is that so what Spinal weird. Tap is making fun of? Okay. So weird. Okay, here here's something that came up for me about this. How long? First of all, how long is that song? I'm gonna guess seven minutes forty seconds. Eight minutes, two seconds. Okay. One of one of the things that seems like happened in the '70s is certain songs in certain genres got longer and longer and longer, and then of course the punk movement like went against that and the Ramones and everything. But uh and you've got your Ramones on. Perfect. But so so I mean you've got what, Jethro I mean it went ridiculous where Jethro Toll's releasing songs that are thirty minutes Ugh. long, right? Yeah, it, it became a little a little much. Um but I think Led Zeppelin were at the beginning of that and they were this is part we talked about the Beatles last week in terms of messing with the form. Mm -hmm. having like three different types of songs within the same song. Um, and and they're starting to get longer. It's not about is this radio friendly. It's about what can we do with right. with music. What can we do with this structure and form of these songs? And so I don't know if we're going to have some other seven or eight or nine minute songs, but I think uh, Led, Ze Led Zeppelin did it well. 
Uh, not as not as much as thick as a not not as much of a thick as a brick. Oh, yeah, get that, Jethro Tull get that well, crap out of here. I I think it's it is the first half that uh, feels long. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because it's so many verses and like we established last week. Uh, lyrics were not their strong part, <laughs> so it's you know they they did a good job though. It was a cinematic like that song cinematic. It's yeah. it's this build up to something. And I do like that they they're willing to explore other genres than just the blues metal stuff. Yeah, and other uh, lyrical themes than just how Hobbits. awesome it is to get it on. Are <laughs> 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 uh, they're gonna say other themes than the hobbits? But. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's like that stings for you a little bit, right? Damn you! And damn you. <laughs> hey, we've already got two of their songs today, and I've got one. Now I'm contemplating taking it off because I'm like, we've already heard two of theirs. And because take you hate off? hobbits, you're racist against hobbits. Yeah, it's a little bit. Okay. Do we have more from '71? Do you still I've have? I've got one more. Oh, okay. I, technically, I I have one more, and I just took it off. But I think I think I'm going to keep it off. But it, I think uh, the person will be my underrated pick. Do you have and another '71? So I'll leave it off. That, that's it for me okay yeah i've got one more um so this will be the kind of i think the first i made it through zeppelin playing nice playing by the rules i'm going to pick the songs that most people have heard mm-hmm. but that are the important ones and then i i couldn't take it i already mm-hmm. established the the conduct disorder part of me i think last time so my conduct disorder against kicked the rules in. I was like, nope now i'm picking the important songs doing my to thing. me yeah. to kind of help people on a journey so stuff people a lot of these next ones may be a, a little bit off the beaten track um so this one 1971 Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution mm. Will Not Be Televised. Oh, great song. Yeah. And it's a super cool song. It's it's really, this is like the grandfather. This is the very beginning of what would become hip-hop. This is protest music. This is socially conscious music. It's basically beat poetry over a jazz bass and a jazz flute. This is the flute that I told you I had. Um, and I love Gil Scott Heron Karen, because he is... He was part of this, or he kind of operated simultaneously with this group called the Lost Poets. Anyway, play it, and then I'll just talk a little bit more about it. We can move on. Oh, that bass. You will not be able to stay home, brother. If you could see the live video feed of us right now, you'd see we're all bobbing our heads to this. You can't, you can't resist. I've never heard this song before. This is great. It's so good. Doing commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew. Is this on Black Klansman? I think it is. If it's not, you could put it on the, that soundtrack in the movie and it would, it would fit right there. Um, it was, so the Gil Scott Heron's approach, he considered himself a bluesologist, which he, he defined as a scientist who was concerned with the origin of the blues. So he, was, he was interested in 
form, but he was also this no-nonsense guy, and so he was just going to deliver his message, and he wasn't interested in making it cute or making it funny, um, and so he was just going to come in. This is very much, like, there is a direct line between him and Chuck D, and Chuck D is one of my favorite rap voices of all time, hip-hop voices of all time, and they're a very similar approach. They wanted to educate, so there's an intelligence to what he's doing. He's going through all these references, pop culture references at the time, and then calling his people out to be intelligent, to be um, informed, and to be active, and that you're not just going to be able to sit back and watch the political revolution from TV. You need to get up and, and actually participate in this and educate yourself in the process. And it, I think it's a super cool approach to protest music because it brings a level of intelligence in beyond just a feeling. It's really like arm yourself with knowledge and don't be content to believe the status quo or what commercialism or TV is telling you. And it, it sets uh, the foundation for like all these genres going forward mm -hmm. that exist around protest. But obviously, yeah. the most obvious uh, progenitor would be uh, hip hop. Yeah. I can see a lot of Rage Against the Machine in this too. Mm -hmm. They love Gil Scott Heron. Yeah. Or love Zach De La Rocha. And, uh, mm -hmm. Like, I think they did the same thing of having <clears throat> just really engaging uh, music combined with the political lyrics. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Great pick. The flute, the bass, the, his voice, his phrasing, the message. It's so true. This would be the perfect thing to listen to if you're ever watching a political debate and you're just frustrated with the commentary and the spin and the way people are, you know, trying, you know, talking. It's just like, okay, remember what Gil taught us. This is not, yeah. Anyway, I love it. Excellent. So I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with my other 1971 because I've I've got to trim some okay. stuff off. So we'll talk about that one later. My next is 73. I've got a 72. Uh, my, uh, my next is I've got two 73s. I've got I've got a 72. Um, I've got Neil Young from Harvest. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of great songs on this album. I can't I can't believe I don't have. Yeah. Well, I but, got you. I, okay. I got you just like I had Jason. I got okay. you back. So. <laughs> Oh, my fa my favorite for right a long now. time was Old Man, um, but I'm choosing a different one. I'm choosing Out on the Weekend. Mm -hmm. That's become my favorite. After you saw him live at that concert three years ago, huh? Uh, I don't know. I, maybe it was. but uh, maybe That was a big moment in the concert for me. It was amazing. Yeah, That they, was amazing. I, but it was he, before he's then. He's playing the solo stuff yeah. first, like just him and the guitar, him and the piano. And then the band comes out. It's not. It's not. It wasn't Crazy Horse. Who? No. Uh, it, it was. Uh, wasn't Willie Nelson's son one of his? I don't guys know. In the, no, Willie Nelson was playing with. Was whoever, whoever the backing band was. Lucas Promise Nelson, of the Real. Yeah, Promise of the Real. It's, Will, it's Willie's son, Lucas Nelson. It is. Okay. Promise of the Real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they. I think this is the first song that they played as the whole band, and I was like, yeah. whoa. I think it was Didn't before what that. A great song before this was. that, I was already like, okay, this song is. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a great one. Let's hear it. so good the bass and drums like the tempo of that is so slow and plodding but but somehow so powerful to me
This is the first time so far I've been irri really irritated. Goosebumps, like I'm mad. I don't have a Neil Young. Neil Young's on my gravestone. That I have people, I have. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> Two of my favorite bands of all time yeah. are on there. There's another one that's one of my underrated picks. Mm. Yeah, and the placement. These are this song to me, like you how you described the perfect song. I feel like this song is perfect. Yeah, it is. But I'm so down today. Neil Young's one of my very favorite artists of all time and very much uh he was someone who my brother listened to a lot. I I've, I've said a few times my brother was a big influence on me. And then in high school, a lot of the people, you know, a lot of people were listening to classic rock. Shout out to Brian Watts right now. Neil Young. Brian we, I was going to say we turning us all on to Neil Young. You can't yeah. even I I still have a cassette tape that Brian made me that is like a Neil Young mix. That was Same. like like unbelievably important. It's because he was early on the internet. He was. And he got. Yeah, dial up. I remember yeah, going yeah. to his house and downloading on dial up tablature. He, he for got in some uh, <laughs> some Neil Young group where they'd they'd share yeah. bootlegs with oh each my other. Gosh. So a thing about Neil Young. Interesting. You talk about Brian Watts, like a, a friend of yours, a close friend who who introduced you. There's been a few other people in my life I've met. You know, like in college and stuff. Get, hit it off really well, and then you find out they're huge Neil Young fans, and it's like. There's something oh, about fine. that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's... They're immediately trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, you are my people. You, you know? would immediately be... Shout out to Vaughn Schmutz for me and and, uh, and Brandon Campbell. I mean, people who are just great people. You meet them and you love them already. And then you find out that they're Neil Young heads. And yeah. you're like, yep. <laughs> so, so help somebody out. If somebody is turned off by Neil Young's voice, how do you get, how do you get past it? I just don't Time. want to be your friend. You just keep. <laughs> no, just you just I can't keep, help you. You keep spending time with him, right? Yeah. I, I feel similar to him time, about Dylan. Yeah, it's time. a it's an unusual voice that mm -hmm. that is off putting to some people, and so I think some people don't give themselves a, a chance with Neil Young because it is it is that unusual voice. Right. But but spend the time; it's worth yeah. it. He's incredible. It is, it is a, a strange voice. It's, but it's the right voice. It's the right voice, and it's super. You spend time, and what will happen is you'll hear the soulfulness, and you'll connect with that, and you'll say, and and you'll love the voice. You know, it'll just happen. One yeah. of the things I love about him too, and even talking about him, like this makes me so mad that he's not on my list. He really is like a protector of the like the art of rock music, mm -hmm. like with what he's done with, um, oh, what was his device? His, that, his he's trying to. Player. Whatever. Trying to keep the fidelity of he, music. Yeah, of he sound is all about like preserving fidelity and preserving kind of the form of of rock and and the art of of rock and and just does some cool stuff. He's like a missionary of rock music. I I admire his recording process, where I think his his first solo album they did went into the studio, did a bunch of overdubs. He's it's like harmonizing with himself, like really high production, uh, being nitpicky about getting things exactly right and then after that he's like i i hate the way this sounds i never want to do it that way again and you can you can tell by listening to this 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 album sounds very very polished so it makes me think maybe just the vocals were were done afterwards um but for the most part my understanding is that all of his albums are recorded more in a live setting like all the the whole band's in the studio. Yeah. They're all playing in front of each other, and they'll they'll do multiple takes, however it ta how many yeah. it takes to get yeah. it right. But they're still playing as a band, and it 
I think there's yeah they're not really mixing and layering good. tracks they're yeah. they're catching the performance of the song of yeah. the piece interacting with each other yeah. Yeah. and he's okay with leaving mistakes in there yeah like there's other albums that are a lot more raw and you can hear it like his voice gets off key sometimes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or he gets a pop in the microphone yeah. or Har- it's, Harvest it's is there. still probably a really good place to start if you're not mm-hmm. real familiar with Neil Young because yeah. it's well produced it's it's like capturing all those pieces it's right good. It's and a, it's got his biggest hit heart yeah. of gold which is mm-hmm. he he doesn't like it as much himself but it is very catchy great and, song yeah you know. got still, linda ronstadt james taylor song. on there yep. uh-huh. great pick okay thanks george yep and then another 72 you know i uh I, I gotta cut this one so i'm not yep moving on 73 go for it Oh, am I first? Oh, you went, you went last. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you go. Uh, I've got, wait, I've got two 73s. How many do you have? Oh, I only have one. Okay. Do you want me to I've go got, first? And I've got, go ahead. Oh, and you've got one? I've got one 73, yep. Go ahead. Do you want me? All yeah. right. This will be, oh, this will be fun. My two 73s could not be more opposite. I'm guessing this first one will be a song neither of you have heard. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. Try I'm gonna, me. I'm going to okay. tell you this. This is a funk blues song that's disguised as a country song Hmm. it's by willie nelson Hmm. and it's called devil in a sleeping bag (laughs) love it i love the title it's a deep cut and this Hmm. is there's two albums that really started this genre of country called outlaw country which is very blues and rock based country kind of blurring lines of genres and it's very focused on storytelling kind of telling the um the lousier, bluesier side of life. And the two real important albums of that genre are one by Waylon Jennings, who famously was one of Buddy Holly's crickets before his country career. Waylon Jennings has an album called Honky Tonk Heroes, and then Willie Nelson has an album called Shotgun Willie. And this is on Shotgun Willie, and it is it is a funk blues song disguised as a country song. So cue it up and hit play and just, Devil in just sleeping see bag. if you can keep from bouncing your head. Caught pneumonia on the road Taking it home to Connie and the kids We ran off and jumped the railroad Then ran through the grove That's awesome <laughs> won't buy a bus I'm taking beer You can hear that twang of Trigger. Isn't Trigger his guitar? So this one's a little bit um, in honor of my, this was the music growing up that was on in my house. My dad loved country, and in particular, he loved Willie Nelson. And I never loved traditional country, but outlaw country, kind of the subgenre of country, just was always, it always made me smile. Waylon Jennings, yeah, Willie Nelson, are, Johnny Cash. Yeah, Chris Christopherson, those are yeah. kind of your your Mount Rushmore of Was Merle country. Haggard part yeah, of that? Yeah, Merle Haggard, a little bit in there. Um, he's... Uh, not as we need to do an episode on this critical this is this is one of my gaping holes of music knowledge i don't know anything i 
I enjoy Willie Nelson when I hear him, but I don't know much about him. Yeah. Gifted songwriter. He wrote Crazy for Patsy Cline mm-hmm. that was like one of the biggest hits of, of the 60s. Um, mm-hmm. But he, it's just it just makes you smile, and it's an interesting form. Like I went when I was in Nashville last year, and I went toward the Country Music um, Hall of Fame Museum, and it is it is a really fascinating piece of American culture and heritage, and it is it, it like it's probably all three of our blind spots, but it is a like a major major cultural piece. I think it's important to acknowledge. It kind of in, in whatever we're saying. So this is like the most palatable form of country music. I can't deal with yeah. most other kinds, but Outlaw just makes me smile. Outlaw country just makes me want to bounce my head. The thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to this is what I just cut, which was a 1972 deep cut by a guy named Bobby Charles, uh-huh. who uh, members of the band uh, produced his 1972 self-titled album. And he's from Louisiana, and people kind of dubbed his style of music swamp rock. Mm-hmm. But it's this kind of bounce, funk, blues, yeah. country rock mixture. And he's got a couple songs that you've got to listen to. So I think I, I don't know if you listened to it. I sent you a thing. Anyway, I think you'd like him, Bobby I'll Charles. Check it out. But, uh, but it's fun. So the stuff. whole story of that one is catching pneumonia on the tour bus and how bad it sucked. <laughs> and the devil was the nickname for his bass player because his bass player had a distinct goatee and sideburns. <laughs> they thought he looked like like the devil Beelzebub. Like the movie version of Beelzebub and so they called him the devil and so he was because he had pneumonia he was shivering in his sleeping bag <laughs> and they just wanted to get home and uh, and, and Nelson wrote a song about nice. it nice good pick okay good pick my 1973 uh, this one came on when uh, when we were setting up oh, I'm so mad <laughs> I'm so angry this is Herbie Hancock uh, I actually had a, a different one of his originally on here I love his tune hang up your hang-ups um but uh yeah once i heard this one again i'm like yeah it's got to be got to be watermelon man and and herbie's an interesting one he's a jazz pianist um played with he's on some miles davis albums right yep and coltrane which one herbie yeah. uh i think so yeah he played with both. and then had a had his own band and and then uh into the 70s he starts embracing the uh the funk side of things electronic uh, keyboards and all that kind of stuff and this this song has such great groove to it such a cool sound watermelon man Think about planets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Such a cool polyrhythmic groove. So I I don't know all that much about Herbie Hancock 
himself. Do you know? Yeah, he's interesting guy. He he's got some parallels to another guy named Ramsey Lewis, and they they kind of straddled the line between being really traditional jazz musicians and then delving into kind of the sellout side of jazz, which was like commercialism, doing Beatles covers and that type of thing, which was a common practice on albums at the time, and. This was like an important era for him. This album, his the band on this backing band are called the Headhunters. They you they have either one or two solo albums that are just as good as this song. That's just them. Um, Herbie Hancock plays the 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 keys, the keyboard here. So like that's what you're hearing right here. Um, but Hancock is a genius. He's an absolute musical genius. He and in the 70s, his run of like funk and groove stuff in the 70s, he's got some absolute absolute gems this this song is i'm i'm pissed i don't have it i heard it brandon was playing it when i walked in setting up and i was like i immediately start googling the year it's like and uh uh, so i was ready and they're like no no brandon picked it i didn't um normally with with the funk stuff that i like I tend to like the faster pace stuff. Yeah, more of a more of a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, beat's not the right. This one has a beat, but yeah. you know, slower. This one's slower tempo, but yeah, it's just so smooth. You, yeah, I dig it. There, so, so there's good. two versions of Watermelon Man that Hancock recorded. There's another version. Like if you're just googling it, you may not find this one. He he recorded a previous version that's a more slower, more traditional jazz song. Um, but this this one is spe- specifically the one you picked is off the album called Headhunters, mm-hmm. and that whole album, start to finish, is just a great album. It's like it's another one. If somebody's Chameleon, looking to get into Van jazz, Meltzer. yeah. If somebody's looking to, mm-hmm. what a great song, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, great title, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But if somebody's looking to get into like some slightly more accessible jazz, Headhunters by by Herbie Hancock is a, a great place to start. Um, great. Great pick. So I'll go next. 73. Wait, you've got two? I have one more 73. Okay, you did a 73. But I already did one. I'll yeah. do my 73 right now. I've got... I could do three 73s right now, but i got to pick one. I'm going to go um, Roberta Flack, Killing Me Softly, 1973. Hmm. One of my favorite... Uh, Pre-Fugees. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love... And she was definitely influenced by... She, she did some... Influenced by other singer-songwriters... This song specifically, if if the legend is true, I didn't fact check this, but this is about her seeing seeing another great singer songwriter of the seventies, Don McLean, um, playing, doing his thing at like a, a bar and being totally like goosebump entranced like by yeah. his playing and his singing. So singing this guy with this kind of smooth voice and this kind of uh, you know hard on his sleeve type type singer songwriter thing and then she wrote this song about that experience which has been as you said utilized elsewhere singing my life with his words killing me softly with his you heard this before brandon Mm -hmm. the original This also is a great moment in the film about a boy. That's good. This is 
is one that I never paid much attention to. Like I'm familiar with it, hearing it on the radio or something. We had a we had a greatest hits DVD that or CD that my mom bought in the you know early mid '90s, and I wore that thing out. Like so greatest many good hits songs. of what? What greatest hits was Roberta this Flack? You had a at your Roberta, house. You had a Roberta. My Flack mom had hits. a greatest hits of, Ru- of Roberta Flack. Another takeaway from this: Jordan's yeah. mom, super cool. Yeah, she is. So another thing about her is someone I cut from 1971, Carol King. Yeah. Carol King wrote so many songs that the other songwriters then played, and people think, oh, this songwriter is great. Um, but Carol King was like the songwriter's songwriter. Tapestry. Yeah. Tapestry. Yep. But cut her. But, but but she. Some of her songs, uh, Roberta Flack um, did, and were on that greatest hits album. A lot of my high school years and one of the songs I listened to like Neil Young songs they were on greatest hits albums and yeah. so I didn't know the albums very well like I had Neil Young Decade and I had the, the greatest hits of Roberta Flack or the greatest hits of Creedence Clearwater which somehow Creedence Clearwater didn't didn't make my list which I listened to them maybe more than anyone in the in the 90s but um, anyway love this song it became popularly uh, uh, what's the word sampled by the Fugees I love that song it's excellent but um you haven't given so Roberta Flack and reimagined by the Fugees because it, it's not just a sample. Like they were, right. they took the lyrics. It's like a cover. Yeah, they redid at least right. like a verse and a half of it. That's right. It wasn't just a sample. But if you if you're if you haven't listened to more Roberta Flack, some of the best kind of mellow, romantic, but not cheesy, but just like goosebump type stuff that you'll hear. Um, yeah, some really good stuff. Nice. Cool. Do I have a? Uh, so I've got another seventy-three. Anybody mm-hmm. else? It's me. Mm-hmm. It's you. Oh, here we go. My, I have a guess. What is it? Pink Floyd. No, I don't have a single Pink Floyd on my. Because that—that's what I just removed my from my top ten was a seventy-two. No, this Pink is Floyd. a this is a little bit different than Pink Floyd. This is really the beginning of another genre that's super important to me. I love the honesty of this genre. It is kind of the beginning of punk music in a just. Absolutely, from the opening note of this song, it punches you in the face and grabs onto you. Um, it's a little band that was fronted by a gentleman named Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. He fronted a group called the Stooges, mm-hmm. Iggy and the Stooges, and the Stooges um, have a couple real famous albums. They're they're probably their most important album is an album called Raw Power, and on Raw Power, there's this song called Search and Destroy, and Search and Destroy is really the beginning, in my opinion, of punk music. This performance is so awesome. This whole album is incredible. So listen to it, and then I'll, I'll use it to propose a theory to you. You can sh- shoot down my theory if you This album has weirdly been forgotten, like, in the, somehow, people know, like, musicians know, 
it, it gets regularly referenced by like punk bands and there's a ton of bands like this was kind of interesting i pulled this off of my um half-assed research as well um kurt cobain of nirvana morrissey Johnny Marr of the Smiths have all said that Raw Power is their favorite album. That this wow. album wow. is their favorite album of all time. Um, people like the Sex Pistols have covered it. it this chain, this was a game changer. And this I don't is know how seventy three, right? seventy three. It's crazy. And I don't know how it didn't catch more like cultural influence. I think it's kind of because Iggy Pop didn't care, mm-hmm. that, and that was part of the punk aesthetic um, right. was to just not care. And it was kind of this direct response to the overproduction of kind of. The, the the bloated version of 70s anthem rock right. nothing could be more opposite this it was this iggy was this skinny guy that would go out on stage and like let people are throwing bottles at him you can see video of him where he's bleeding where he's cut himself with glass from bottles that have oh hit him yeah. um and that was all part of the performance and right. it was it was everything he was channeling every ounce of emotion and energy into um into the performance and that became part of it and so this was the beginning like you can hear obviously the beginnings of punk music and it's all attitude it's all but the cool thing about this is the stooges could play and Mm -hmm. so they they were still playing but they were channeling every note was was just raw emotion it's raw power yeah their their guitars are turned up to 11 yeah (laughs) you hear that it's like they're purposely going for this like on, so on my playlist yeah. this is the one when i go through my playlist every time i have to turn the volume down yeah <laughs> like everything else <laughs> operates at, at roughly the same volume and i have to turn and this it down comes on every and time yeah. this comes on and I, but every amazing. time i turn it down i'm smiling while i do it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'll save my theory for another yeah. pick i've got another pick coming it. up where i think the I theory will it. work a little bit better <laughs> anything you guys want to say about uh, the stooges and raw power i i know nothing about them what I, what I'll say about it is, yeah, I, I have very little knowledge about the Stooges, but I know that Iggy Pop is very well respected by a lot of musicians and bands I like, and I've seen a whole lot of pictures and video of him, just like you're saying, the visceral kind of physical, like kind of bending himself into weird positions and contorting himself. Seems like his physicality and and that was such a big part of skin and bones all energy i almost picked the passenger by iggy pop which is another all-time favorite mm. song but i didn't it didn't make my list but this song is just so important to things that were going to come so i think so many things built on this um and it was i love it when when something comes in and tries to either deconstruct what was going before or tries to directly like challenge what was coming before right, that right. um and, and, and this is this is the same year that Dark Side of the Moon came out, <laughs> which they they were wow. in the studio for a year or more and, right. for that album. Now, can we talk about Dark Side of the Moon for a minute, even if we're not going to play any of it? Yeah. yeah, like I feel like that was one I had like breathe on one of my lists, but it's, it was hard to pick a song from Dark Side of the Moon too because of same you know, like uh, yeah I don't have first I don't two have minutes any Pink of like Floyd weird my, random sounds. It's because the album to me is so great. As a whole but album, I feel but I like bad, like not having a song on there. And I just, I read a little bit about Dark Side of the Moon last night. I didn't realize that they toured Dark Side of the Moon for a year before they recorded it, mm. which was totally different than than what I'm used to, you know, mm-hmm. than what we usually think of. Like you, you do your album, you make it, you put it out there, then you tour the album. They toured it for a year, all over, and 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 for, they had like a performance for all these music critics and stuff. I mean. They knew that they were doing something pretty amazing, and they wanted to 
work on it for a year before they recorded it so that they, then when they went and recorded it they like they had perfected you know what my, they were my opinion on them like i like them i like dark side of the moon um they're good i don't think any of them individually or collectively are the best at what they do and so i think there's better versions of most of what they offer out out there and then they're just they're like this kind of specific thematic art where the performance is almost mm. i mean they're not like musicians musicians they're not like incredible songwriters i mean if you're looking for thematic music the beatles or the kinks mm -hmm. i think are, are going to be a better starting point but they were unique and they definitely like wanted to create an experience i mean most of their albums i don't think they have an album that's not at least a rough concept album i mean right. album animals wish you were here dark side of the moon the wall like that's really all they did were these concepts yeah. whole whole performance pieces and it's super cool really good this but. is maybe why because i have so i'm i i didn't know what you thought about pink floyd but in my head i would have thought you were a big fan but i know you i was never i didn't my brother didn't listen to pink floyd I, my, no one in my family so i didn't really know pink floyd i'd see kids at high school with their t-shirts on i knew basically like uh hey teachers leave those kids right. alone. i knew that i was listening to 90.9 .9 krcl here in utah probably i don't know within the last 10 years maybe seven eight years ago and a song came on and it, i i had never heard it and it was like what is this song this is weird this is different this is so cool and then at the end it was like oh th i realized i think i know this song and it was it was breathe from pink floyd and i i felt like I never gave them a chance, you know, and then I went back and started listening, watched one of those like documentaries about the making of it. And I ha found a whole new respect for them. I still not like a, a, I'm not a Pink Floyd head, but it feels to me like, like I'm, I'm surprised that, that none of us had a song. Th from that's how I am. I respect them. Yeah. I, I never voluntarily choose to either like spend time with them from an enjoyment standpoint or try to get lost in Pink Floyd. Is that like whether it's escapism or entertainment? Is that like, explain why you also don't like Radiohead? Because to me, Radiohead is yeah is a direct progeny of Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. A little bit. I like Radiohead better than Pink Floyd. Actually, yeah. I think Radiohead's. I do too, but because I because Radiohead can go Led Zeppelin. Like they can you could see traces of Led Zeppelin. Radiohead them. writes better see, songs. Yeah, they they do. That's right, and they're I think they're better at their instruments. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but uh, since we're talking about it, Pink Floyd wins my most overrated band of the 70s. Ah, uh, okay. Which is saying something, because I really love Pink Floyd. Yeah. yeah. Like, all through high school, I had multiple shirts of Pink Floyd. Yeah. Right? You were one of the people. I had the shirts, I, I had like, the poster. Brandon likes Pink Floyd. Um, Maybe I should listen to him. And I, I, don't, I don't think Dark Side of the Moon as an album is overrated. Like, I think it's a great album. Um... <coughs> It's more because of the stuff that comes after it that I think I think they're overrated. Yeah. Uh, especially the wall. The wall is just so dreary to me. Yeah. It's this double album, concept album. It's so long, and it's all. It just seems to be so wallowing in. Yeah. Self pity, kind of, because it's not about any. See, and you guys both know more about Pink Floyd than me because, like I said, I didn't know anything. And then I heard this one song, and then listened yeah. to some others, and I was like, they were really good. But then I didn't keep listening to it. The yeah. weird part about them, like you talk about Zeppelin not having singles, but Zeppelin, you can at least find like a like a five minute Zeppelin song. Mm -hmm. Everything in Pink Floyd is so long; like it's not an easy. You you can't just yeah. I'm, I can't just pick four minutes of Pink Floyd that I'm going to listen to and then move yeah. on. Every, everything in the wall. 
I mean, even I, an, like Animals and Wish You Were Here are both cool s- albums, but they're like four songs each for a like forty yeah. minute album. And Shine On You Crazy Diamond, which takes up two thirds of which is the first <laughs> song and the here. last song. Uh, that one gets too much into like the easy listening. Easy yeah. listening for me. Like Have a Cigar is, is is like that would be the best representation of if Pink Floyd was going to try to do like a rock single uh-huh. and that that's actually probably my favorite song on yeah. that album and wish you were here is a great song wish you were here is a, a great slow song. Kind of yeah. song and and there's you know another brick in the wall right great song but even that kind of weaves into other songs i think we veered into most overrated and i but i yeah. but i i'm hearing this and i'm agreeing with you guys they're on my list partially they're because not, I, I don't feel very strongly about my most overrated it's not yeah. pink floyd but they were yeah. in contention they were in contention well, let's yeah. let's move on with our songs. And, but don't and don't let that dissuade you guys. If you haven't listened to Dark Side out. of the Moon, go for a drive. Oh, they're they're important. The whole album. Yeah, they're important. Yeah, cue yeah. it up and, and watch The Wizard of Oz okay. simultaneously. <laughs> you, can, you can do your thing. That's seventy three that I left off. That uh, was that uh, some of the some of the people out there might know because it's it's kind of had a resurgence in popularity. Is Dolly Parton's Jolene? Jolene, yeah, yeah. nineteen seventy three. That was what I replaced with with Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. But, it's a good song. Yeah, it is. It is. It's great. She's a super underrated songwriter too. She is, and that song is so like it. Like I've never does, met anyone that doesn't like that song. Yeah, she like, does, is anyone like oh that song? She sucks, does two part harmonies with herself, mm-hmm. and and then she's also doing harmony with the guitar work. Yeah, excellent song. So All is right. that your? But that but that one isn't actually on your list. I took it off because I've, I've had a Jordan. He I always had a, manages to. Name I slid it, it in there. I just I, I'm by trimming my twelve to ten, but I'm still gonna name all twelve. But we don't get to listen to it. <laughs> oh, I guess we do. This doesn't count, though. For me. <laughs> this one's not for credit. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. It's the this gro- one's cool the because it's, it's a non-traditional <laughs> love song. Yeah. It's not a, let me tell my man how much I love him. Yeah. It's let me tell the woman who has fallen in love with my man yeah. how much I love my man, so please don't. Keep yeah, advancing on it. Yeah. <laughs> F- she wrote it after she was newly married and the teller at the bank kept flirting with her husband. Ah, and she wrote this song. That's like, awesome. Kind of as her response as a vulnerable newlywed. Yeah. Concerned at some level. It was kind of cool, actually. Like, she's taking her insecurity and yeah. she's putting it out there and writing, like, this amazing song. Which Jack White like, covered it from a male's perspective. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Great, great song. Uh, I'm putting this one back on your list, George. You no, 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 no. You have to I'm take something else off. I'm not taking anything off. I'm not. Too late. No, no, no. I can't. The song's no too way. good. <laughs> you could put it on your list. The I'm executive producer has spoken. Yeah, you shouldn't have talked so much about it. I am not taking... Okay. Let him, well, no. We listened to it, George. We listened to it. No, better no. yet. I think I, I think the obvious answer is to replace the Who with this off of Brandon's list. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. Just forget that one happened. All right. I don't have another one. I skipped the middle seventies and don't have another one until seventy seven. I have a seventy five and then I have a more after that. Uh what do I have? I've got a seventy seven as well. So maybe this is where we separate our episode. First half of nineteen seventy. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and catch us next week where we cover the second half of the 1970s, including the rest of our picks for underrated, overrated, and decade champion. 